strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Uh, hottest ticket in town is still the Suns playoff tickets. And if you would like to get registered to win a pair of those tickets, just text the word TICKET to 411 You can register. Listen for your name, 7 a.m. hour, 11 a.m. hour, and 4 p.m. hour each day. We'll register someone. That person's going to win a Suns prize pack and be registered to win Game 2 tickets. That's TICKET to 411-923. All right. Um, the Attorney General... General in Arizona, Chris Mays, has joined a bipartisan coalition of attorneys general of 33 states and the District of Columbia asking the Supreme Court of the United States to hear a case of James Ruddesill um, versus uh, it's the case of Ruddesill versus McDonough or McDonough and to protect veterans rights. Now, I'm just going to abbreviate the story. Apparently, Mr. Ruddesill um, or is it Ruddesill? I don't know how to pronounce the man's name was a, resi- a resident and decorated Army veteran of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. After fil- four tours, or after his first tour, he used his post-9-11 GI benefits to further his education, successfully completing his undergraduate degree. He returned to the U.S. Army as a commissioned officer. He served the country bravely uh, and received one of the military's highest accolades, the Bronze Star. Following his third tour, I said four, but it was three tours, he, he was accepted into the Yale Divinity School in a goal of returning to the armed forces yet again, this time as a chaplain. Uh, the VA denied um, his Montgomery GI Bill benefits despite the fact that veterans with multiple requisite periods of service can earn up to 48 months of educational benefits. So this could affect a lot of other veterans, but this again – is a symptom of what's wrong. One of the misconceptions that we've had for a long time, and unfortunately it was defeated here in Phoenix first and then around the rest of the country, is I think we all make assumptions that we take care of our veterans because all of us, this is not a partisan issue, we believe that the men and women that sign on the dotted line, that swear the oath, that pick up the weapon, whether they are ever in combat or not, deserve to be taken care of with the promises that are made to them as veterans of our military. That's not a partisan statement. I know Democrats that feel that. And we have differences on conflicts that America has been in. We have differences on how we get into them, how long we stay in them. But most people, and I would say well over 90 percent of Americans, that's just my guess, would say that it's the men and women that serve just follow orders and they are doing and going where they are sent. And when this happens and we find out that they're not getting benefits they've qualified for, it's frustrating. It is beyond frustrating. What happened with the VA here in Phoenix and the VA care, you know, and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. uh, It is when you hear from veterans that say when they get into the VA medical care system here, um, they are very well cared for, that they love the doctors and the nurses and all the medical staff, that they are dedicated to the work of veterans health care. It's getting into the system that was always difficult. They're overwhelmed. They're understaffed. And so that's always what the problem was. Well, then it was exacerbated because management at the VA years ago decided to falsify records and say that veterans were getting care much quicker than they were getting care. And it opened people's eyes to the idea that veterans in this country are not as well cared for as we would expect they would be on such a bipartisan supported issue. 
Um, thanks to a company here in Arizona called TriWest Healthcare Alliance. Uh, TriWest helped put together the veterans card where they could go outside of the VA system under certain circumstances. As that program has expanded, they have expanded along with it at TriWest, which I think is kind of a feather in Arizona's cap. This bill was a joint bill when it first came out with the late Senator John McCain and Senator Bernie Sanders working together to get this health care uh, provided for veterans. We're talking about other benefits for veterans. This is where – and uh, let me mix a couple of topics I've discussed this morning. Um, We've got young men and women, uh, teenagers in Chicago, Illinois, throwing fits and causing acts of violence. A couple of people shot, much, a lot of property destroyed in Chicago in what's called the Loop and the Lakefront. I'm not familiar with it, but if you're from Chicago, I'm sure you are. And the mayor-elect is denouncing that they did it, but saying, you know what, we need a lot more stuff available to these young people. The Army is not reaching its recruiting goals. They're only hitting about 75% of their goals. Every branch of the military service not meeting their recruiting goals. And here we are with a veteran's affairs that's not doing their job. This, there's a time when people in this country see things as upside down and backwards. And this is one of those times. That doesn't mean I don't want to see um, <clears throat> things provided for youth so that they can flourish, but you don't reward bad behavior. Um, I don't think that prisoners, people in the Arizona prison system, should go without having their health care needs met. I'm not saying that. But when it seems like you've got so many people advocating to make sure that no matter what happens, they get everything they need. And that's what the push is right now. All of the spotlight is on the health care system and, and judges have weighed in on this and making sure that prisoners have access to adequate health care. What about this issue? Why is this not the same front page issue? I congratulate the attorney general for joining this. Uh, I think she's doing the absolute right thing. 33 states asking the Supreme Court to hear it. This is something that should be unacceptable to every American. Everybody listening to the sound of my voice is either a veteran themselves they are related to or know someone that has served this country. And I think as Americans, one of the things that we are most honored by is the men and women that have served. The Veterans Day Parade is a huge event here in town. I do work with veteran organizations and speak before veterans organizations all the time. And to find out that you've now got this person that has served multiple times in multiple capacities – that wants the benefits that they were promised, and they've had to fight the court system for all of this time, not just for themselves, but on behalf of other veterans, they're going to run into the same roadblock. Every American should be outraged by this. I guarantee you that there are activist organizations out there that are working diligently in over probably the ACLU and others. This is not a knock. This is, by the way, not a criticism. It's an observation. These organizations are working very hard to hold the Arizona prison system, the Department of Corrections, feet to the fire to make sure. And they are going to make sure and let the media know every time they slip and fall that health care will be adequate for all of the inmates in the prison system in Arizona. Fair enough. I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about that push and the media will jump on any time that it's not being achieved and highlight the mistake. That's also fair. Where are we on this issue? Where are we as Americans screaming at our representation in the United States government, whether it's in the House or the Senate, to make sure that this gets fixed? 
Where are we on making sure that things get news reports? By the way, this one you can find proudly, I will say, is at KTAR.com. Go read the story. It's something we all should be behind. Coming up in a moment, huge numbers amassing at the border ahead of the, ahead of the end of Title 42. Are we prepared? More indications that we're not. Next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. As always, appreciate you spending part of your Monday morning with us. A couple of headlines as we talk about the border. Title 42 getting ready to expire uh, next month. And we know from what we're hearing from our leadership that if there is a plan in place to deal with the people amassing at the southern border, this is also a cartel issue. The cartels are sending out the word to people across Central America, really across the world, but they make their way through Mexico via Central America. Sometimes they make their way north at our southern border. We know there's a crisis at the northern border as well with Canada and the north eastern United States. But specifically at our southern border, we are seeing up to 40,000 people amassing awaiting the expiration of Title 42 to present themselves. And we do not have any ideas of the American people, but worse yet, people that are charged with dealing with these people if there is a plan in place to fix this issue. But here are some other headlines. Mexican kidnappers targeting American tourists have no code curbing ruthlessness, according to experts. Survivors of deadly Mexico kidnapping recount events for the first time. Um, um, search underway for three Americans who were to sail from Mexico more than a week ago. Now, we don't know that could be a pro- that could be a shipwreck. We don't know. But is 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 this starting to hit home for a lot of people here in Arizona. Now, I will tell you I'm not an expert in this area. I've traveled around the country quite a bit, and this is not anything negative, but I've never been to Rocky Point. I've never been to Puerto Penasco. Um, it wasn't a negative thing. I just have never gone. Been to Nogales a few times, so I have been into Mexico, but I have not traveled very deep into Mexico. I have not been to, and I know that for many people that are listening right now, that is a second home for them. Is it still safe? I I don't know the answer. I can't give you a personal account there, but I will tell you that there are many people that are nervous because they own homes, condos, businesses in Puerto Penasco, and that will damage their personal economy if things get damaged in Mexico. But as a nation – We have a huge dealing with Mexico. It is Arizona's number one trading partner. It is a major trading partner with the U.S. It is also a part of the USMCA that was renegotiation of NAFTA. So we are – we having a prosperous Mexico, we'll talk about safety in a moment, but a prosperous Mexico matters to the U.S. economy, especially to the Arizona economy. For many people personally here in Arizona, it is a very personal thing. But as a whole, the state of Arizona and our country, we're dependent on a lot of financial gain we get from having sharing a, a prosperous economy with Mexico. Now let's talk about safety. You go back to the 1980s and the destabilization of what we saw happen in Colombia with the cartels and the drugs. And it was George H.W. Bush, Reagan first at the end of his, his time, but certainly during uh, Bush 41's time in office. They were dealing with this because they had militaries that rivaled their nation's military in Colombia. Something like that at our southern border, 
something just on the other side of the border for us is a destabilizing factor to our national security. And this is where we have such a great rapport with the nation of Mexico and its people. Now you go one step further, which I've talked about in the past, is that people in the U.S. that are Mexican-Americans, they are first-generation Americans or they are legal residents here that have huge ties to their family in Mexico. What does that relationship do when you are fearful for your friends and your family members in your home country, your native country? You're an American now, but you still have deep ties emotionally and physically with people in Mexico. There is so much at risk right now and what's happening. Do we wait? How long are we going to wait? How long are we going to wait before this becomes a serious enough issue that it is at the forefront of for a very huge number of reasons, economically, national security wise, and for the peace and well-being of Americans that were born in Mexico? The cartels are growing in power. Everyone seems to understand and agree on that. That doesn't mean that we have a a destabilized Mexico. What it means, it is becoming less and less stable all the time. When where is the line that the U.S. government says, here's where we want to intervene? I'm not talking about crossing the border with the military. I'm talking about serious negotiations where our vice president that has been absent on this issue of the border. When do we start having serious conversations with repercussions to nations that would destabilize Mexico. When we start having conversations with some of those Central American countries where people are flowing from and making their way through Mexico to the U.S. border. This is when you talk about the, the ingredients that make up uh, fentanyl and the all the other byproducts. Uh, many of those are used for different things, but some of the ingredients are specific to the the construction of fentanyl. What are we doing about those ingredients and how they're flowing into Mexico? China is blaming the U.S. for all of this. Where are we standing up and saying, well, then let's sit down and come to an agreement about you shipping these chemicals from your country into Mexico, knowing that they are making the problems in the U.S. worse? And I don't know, it doesn't appear that we're paying enough attention to it. Coming up in a moment, we shift our conversation to schools because one of the top schools in America is right here in Arizona, the basis schools. One of the basis schools is now unionized with the American Federation of Teachers. What does this mean for education in Arizona? We'll discuss next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, don't forget to get registered. We've got the hottest ticket in town, Suns Playoff Tickets. If you would like to be eligible to win a pair of Game 2 tickets, just text the word TICKET to 411923. You'll be entered. If you hear your name in the 7 o'clock hour, the 11 o'clock hour, or the 4 p.m. hour, then you uh, call within 10 minutes and you are registered. You win a Suns prize pack. But you're registered to win those Game 2 tickets. It's just that simple. We will be calling a name out in the 11 o'clock hour. A couple of things about education. This is one of the topics for me anyway that I think is the most compelling. And that is that um, education is failing in Arizona and by every standard. And that doesn't mean that teachers are a failure. But we have to look at how we are and our success rate with students is not very high in some places. And I would also venture to say this. You are going to find different issues in different parts of Arizona. 
But nationally, we are far behind the curve as well. There are a couple of major teacher organizations. One of them is the NEA. The other is the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers. They have been trying to for a very long time, fairly unsuccessfully, of getting a footprint in the state of Arizona, along with the AEU or the teachers organizations here. So uh, Scottsdale-based Basis Ed has long been known for its academic success, boasting a top ranking every year. Now one of its schools has become the first charter school in Arizona to become unionized, seeking administrative transparency and accountability. Employees of Basis Tucson North voted to join the American Federation of Teachers. Being the first to unionize opens the door for the Arizona's other 560 charter schools serving 232,000 students. Now, we're a right-to-work state. I'm anxious, and we do have unions here. I'm anxious to see how big of a footprint the AFT gets. This has been a goal of theirs for a long time with the growth that we've seen here. Um, I don't know how you feel about teachers' unions. I'm obviously not a fan, haven't been for a long time. Um, but we look at education in Arizona, and we look at its failures, and I'll tell you, uh, for the teachers out there, this is the part of it that gets me. Um, <clears throat> the politics, you are dragged into the politics, whether you like it or not. As a teacher, you have been dragged into the politics, and let me explain how. There are pieces of legislation that are out there, one of them by a representative named Matt Gress, that would give teachers a $10,000 raise over two school years. 5000 each year would be earmarked and sent directly to teachers for teacher pay. But there would be accountability along with that, and the teachers union, the AEU, came out against this pay raise saying two things. Number one, that there's not enough money out there for it, that it, it, it can't financially hold itself together, that there's not enough money out there. And number two, that it doesn't spend enough money because it doesn't cover enough employees in the school district. So teachers, I want you to know that you know this word educator has been expanded to anybody that works for the school as an educator. And if everybody in the school doesn't get the raise, you don't get the raise. Doesn't sound like they have the teacher's best interest in mind, but that's just how I feel about it. The town of Apache Junction has got people ready to uh, recall members of the school board. I want you to hear a little bit of this. Joe Dana from Channel 12 talking about why people are upset with the school board in Apache Junction. On Monday, Kimball and two other board members, Gail Concho and Gail Ross, who were all backed by Republican volunteers during the election, voted 3-2 to two to sever ties with Superintendent Heather Wallace. Wallace was in charge less than two years. Her contract was supposed to run until 2025. So people are upset about this. The school uh, principal is, is uh, talks about the support. Support for Wallace on full display at Tuesday's public meeting. One principal shocking the crowd after saying she's seen enough. It is with these things in mind and a heavy heart that I submit to you my resignation So we are seeing people begin to stand up and say we want certain things done in school districts that weren't being done before. There is a power struggle that's going on. Um, I know I say it till I'm blue in the face, and there are many people that just aren't going to believe it because I disagree with them on the issue. I have the utmost respect for the men and women who educate our children. Absolutely, without a doubt, have the utmost respect. Had it not been for teachers when I was very young giving me the skill set to learn, I would have been sunk because of my mistakes when I was in my high school years. I didn't care about school. All I wanted to do was work, and all it was was manual labor, and I thought that's all I ever needed in life. I was an obstinate, headstrong kid that would not take advice, but I had the skill set to learn. When I found my path, 
I had the tool belt available to me to learn. So I learned a trade very quickly. Um, this industry, the transformation into the, is this industry is so reading intensive. Um, I, I was just talking to a group yesterday and I said, you know, I've got to, I, I do a book report every segment of this show. I've got to read a bunch of stuff. Uh, make a, a a a rational thought out of it, whether you agree with it or not. I have to come up with my opinions on things and make some kind of rational appeal based on the things that I read. Doesn't mean people are always going to agree, but I have to be able to read something and immediately respond to it. And and I do this, you know, every morning we do show prep. We put the show together when we're going to talk about this, what we're going to talk about, and then I begin to read through all of these pieces of information. I, if I didn't have the skill set of learning to read at a very young age. Never, ever, ever would I be able to do this job. So it's teachers that I thank for this. But I will say that we have gotten to a point now where we are saying the schools are broke. And I find this fascinating, the pushback on this teacher raise and the accountability that goes with it. Because the people at the school boards are beginning to sound a lot like Republican business owners. You want more oversight? Well, oversight costs money. We're going to have to pay someone to do those reports. It's going to take money out of the classroom if we have to go and show this oversight. Here's where the difference for me lies. You're a government agency. You understand that you're a government agency. And so your accountability to the people whose tax dollars are being spent for your salaries and giving you the ability to spend taxpayer dollars on curriculum, what that a curriculum's value is in the school district, its efficiency, what kind of results you're getting from it is what every parent and every citizen that pays taxes in your school district has a right to know. You are so when we talk about um, all of this compliance in the private sector. Now you've got someone that wants more compliance in the government sector, and you have government leaders, superintendents, and school board members saying, you know what? This is going to cost us a lot of time and money. You're starting to sound a lot like the corporations that don't like the redundancy and the oversight that's coming from the government into a private institution. And yet you're a government agency, and you don't want to tell us what you're spending money on. I've got a few different things over the days that we're going to talk about specifically when I think it's fair. I think it's fair for the parents to hear, okay, we are spending $13,000, $15,000, $18,000 or whatever on this curriculum. This curriculum is teaching kids about this. We believe the value to the children is this. And here are the results we're getting from this. And you as a parent gets to decide, I don't like that. Why are we spending that kind of money on something when there's something more important that money could go to, especially if you're saying your budgets are tight and they don't want that kind of accountability? And as more and more parents are asking for it, it is really tough for them to not want to see the light of day and look like they're not hiding something. Coming up in a moment um, – This is a great question. Are we going to see a repeat of the 2020 election when it comes to the presidential candidates? We're going to talk about how that's getting closer and closer to being true in just a moment. (laughs) 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, uh, moving quickly toward 2024. Um, have you heard people say that they're tired of choosing between the lesser of two evils? I've been hearing this for a long time. Now, whether you believe that that's true or not, that's what a lot of voters have said in the past. There were many voters at the time, twenty go back to 2016, that uh, when it was the choice between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, many people thought neither one was their primary choice, and no pun intended. Um, and then moving forward to 2020 – that Joe Biden was not uh, a great choice either, but they didn't like what Trump, the direction was going with Trump. And so we've been hearing this lesser of two evils conversation for a long time. Uh, Biden's poll numbers uh, are grim as he preps for his reelection bid. This is from Politico, seeing how bad the president's poll numbers are. But how about this? Donald Trump got a bump of over $18 million, $18 million in his campaign funding after his indictment. That's how much it has catapulted his campaign. He says he's not dropping out even if he gets convicted of a crime. He has $34 million in his war chest. Now, there are other candidates out there, but if you look at the polling, they're all far behind, including Ron DeSantis. There are many people out there that believe that if there's anybody out there that could possibly win the primary over Donald Trump, it is Ron DeSantis. But the question remains, are we going to see a rematch? Will be the, Will this be Biden versus Trump with their roles reversed, Being Biden being the incumbent this time? Biden is being challenged in the primary. And that is going to be an odd situation for a sitting president to face a primary challenger. It's been a long time since something like that has happened. But what will happen with this? Are the people of this country kind of sick of the status quo and what's available? What kind of a candidate will Donald Trump be the second time around? I can tell you this. I know a lot of people that have said, you know what, we need to move on. That maybe it's time for a different voice in the Republican Party as much as they respected what Donald Trump did as president the first time around. But many, many, many of those people that I know that voted for Donald Trump twice that said maybe it's time to look at a fresh face are now saying I am 100 percent behind Donald Trump because of the insanity of this indictment. That this indictment has not only galvanized Donald Trump's base, it has brought a lot of people back that were willing to listen to another candidate like Ron DeSantis or someone else and Asa Hutchinson who has also said that he is running DeSantis has not yet there are a lot of people listen when when Jeb Bush defends Donald Trump you know something big happened because there is no love lost between the Trump family and the Bush family none and during the primary process in 2016 they it was brutal between Jeb Bush specifically and Donald Trump and yet even Jeb Bush came out publicly and said this indictment is nonsense and everybody in the country should be concerned about it so are they going to win a battle and lose a war with indictments of, against former President Trump? Is this going to solidify the fact that Donald Trump will be the nominee for the Republicans moving into a head-to-head battle? Joe Biden 
taking us in the direction he has, whether you blame him for everything or you don't. I guarantee you that Donald Trump is going to stand on the record of very low inflation, huge wage growth, big job growth, low gas prices, below $3 a gallon for the entire four years of his presidency, um, being energy independent. And he will stand on that and say to the American people, you've got two choices. You want more of the same. You want four more years of what you're getting. You want to see us going down the road of war with China. You want to see these things. That's exactly what the mantra is going to be. And if those are the two choices, what are the chances that Donald Trump wins again? And there are a lot of people out there that believe he's got a very good chance. I had a conversation with somebody on social media that was kind like trying to insult me by saying, you know, that there are polls that show Joe Biden beating Donald Trump by two points. And there are other polls that show Trump beating Biden by two points. You've got the sitting president of the United States against a candidate that has 34 felony charges against him. Many people in the Democratic Party would say, and they mean it when they would say it, that Donald Trump was the worst president that we've ever had. That's their opinion. I'm not saying that. That's what they're saying. And they believe that a big majority of America believes that Donald Trump is the worst president this country has ever seen, certainly in the 21st century in their mind. And yet he is in a dead heat with the sitting president of the United States in polling. What does that say about Joe Biden and his approval rating and the job that he's done so far with the economy and inflation and international relations and war and gas prices and and green energy? And there are when you see these kinds of results, when you see these kinds of polls, people ought to be concerned if you think that Joe Biden was the answer to the issues. If it's a head to head again with Donald Trump and the actions that have been taken in New York are pushing more and more people to support former President Trump, $18 million since his indictment. And you think that all of those people were big fans of Donald Trump or weren't ready to move on? Many of those people just see what's happening and are saying, we are doing this in protest. We're now going to stand with him because you're doing everything you can to destroy him. Now, whether you believe that's accurate or not, that is the sentiment of a lot of people. I'm anxious to see if we're going to see a rematch. It's going to be interesting. Um, We're going to talk about the economy coming up in a few moments. The most dreaded day of the year is tomorrow. It's tax day. We'll discuss it in just a couple of moments.